The Radical Secular, a podcast dedicated to the separation of church and state. For full video episodes, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hi, everybody. My name is Sean Prophet, and welcome to the second episode of our show. I am Christoph Defoe. I am happy to be here again. Interesting fun fact is I wear a new t-shirt every show. This is um, the symbol of the United Federation of Planets. Now, uh, Sean and I are big, big uh, uh, fans of Star Trek. And this is the big organization in Star Trek. And the reason why I'm wearing it today is because it's all about values that we take very seriously. Justice um, being high, prime, uh, paramount about that, about uh, on that uh, front. Um, but a, a whole range of things that we're going to talk a little bit about um, in terms of the show. But um, this is my little shtick. I wear these shirts and uh, Star Trek for life. That's awesome, by the way. And I've always been uh, uh, interested in the fact that the that the Star Trek kind of Federation logo looks very much like the United Nations logo. Exactly. And I think that's uh, intentional. And I, I've always been a big fan of the United Nations. And it's, it's too bad that the, uh, that organization has not lived up to its, to its potential. It's been deliberately undermined. Um, and I think that's important too, um, by some of the more powerful people. I mean, in the, the, the GOP in particular, um, but we could get into that. Um, we get into that at some point. Um, yeah, maybe anyway, that's yeah. for another show. So how, how, how's it going? How are you doing out there in New Jersey right now? Ah, how are we doing? Well, you know, uh, I think there's, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the pandemic a little bit later on, but, you know, I think it's a little bit discouraging to walk around uh, and see people pretending like uh, that there is no pandemic. So that's a little bit challenging, but I think, you know, sort of day to day, the great news is like, you know, we are still healthy. Lindsay had a birthday yesterday. And so we got, we celebrated that, like we got some food from a local restaurant and we did it here and it was really, really nice, you know, and, and it made me think a little bit, about the pandemic and just like how our relationship has in a lot of ways blossomed during the pandemic um, only just because we were just a, together all the time. And um, you would think that that might be, and I'm not saying we have a perfect relationship. Obviously we, you know, we get, we have disagreements where you have me nitpick, uh-huh. da, 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 right. You know, whatever, just normal relationship stuff. No, that's but, awesome. That's awesome. I mean, happy birthday to Lindsay. And how about you, dude? Oh, you know, it's, it's, kind of the same here you know it's hot windy in henderson and uh you know of course vegas has just uh you know they, they tried to open up the casinos and um oh that's right not going well not going well thousand new cases right now in uh in in a day in vegas so it's like uh yeah it's it, you know it's 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 kind of the same thing we uh, you know uh i i've i've been staying home a lot with uh with jillian and we're doing great um we you know it's just like you said we get to spend so much time with each other. But the hard part about all this is just not really knowing what is going to be happening in the future. And especially the more people are, you know, not paying attention to the science and the more that they are, you know, reopening and, 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 you know, we're seeing people starting to, to, you know, cases creep up, deaths creep up, all of those things, you know, it, it's just very uncertain for our future and, you know, the planet's exactly. nation, like what, what are we doing here? You know, so well, well, right, right, very hard to know. No leadership, right? No leadership at all, and and no national. I mean, this is this is an obvious story, and 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 again, again we are going to talk a little bit about COVID nineteen and the spike. And I guess maybe maybe this is the transition here. I don't know. Well, you know, I want I want to talk a little bit more about our show, and you know, this being episode two, we're still uh, clearly working out all of our our branding. We had a meeting yesterday, 
and we're going to be doing a formal launch. But, you know, in the meantime, there's so much to talk about. We just got to keep going. And I think it's helping us to refine our, our show, our process, you know, uh, communicate with our, our viewers and listeners. And, um, <clears throat> you know, also, you'll notice last time I had an orange wall behind me. Well, now I have a green screen and uh, I'm not really sitting in a loft, although I wish I were. <laughs> and uh, I just yeah, I was yeah. jealous, Chris, of your cool background. So I had to get something that was. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. So at work, I, I, I work at this and this is in the same space um, most of the time. And uh, so, you know, I do uh, Zoom calls and WebExes and all this sort of thing over the years. And um, I have this background behind me and people always say like, wow, what a beautiful wall, Christoph. It just such a beautiful wall. I, I wish I had that wall. And, and the, the, this is not a real wall. This this is actually just a, a, a screen, um, and uh, and so I also do my own little show on Instagram called the Too Late Show, and yeah. this is sort of the symbol from it. Um, and so, like you know, it's that sort of old school, you know. Uh, Isn't that Max Headroom? You know, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but 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 it's if you look at it in the actual room, it looks like a fake thing. But in on the screen, for it, it really it, it does well, and it's like you know whatever, like fifty dollars on Amazon or something like that. You were saying earlier, right? Like green screen right. stuff used to cost. This used to be like movie theater stuff. Oh, right. To, to do a green screen shoot, I mean, maybe coming from television, you know, I know that like you know, even ten years ago, five years ago, you know, if you wanted to do a live streaming shoot with green screen, that involves uh, a lot of setup, a lot of you know, multiple cameras. And, uh, you know, all sorts of things and, and uh, special lighting and, you know, a lot of people standing around. And uh, now it's just <laughs> your laptop and a, and, a, and a, you know, paint your wall or whatever. You know? <laughs> exactly. Now you're in a loft. Now yeah. you're in a loft. Just yeah. like that. In Henderson, in Henderson, Nevada. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, um, well, I guess we're going to talk about COVID. Yes. And, uh, you know, this we is have just a little this. outline here, by the way, audience. We have a little outline. We're trying to keep it a little bit focused. We, we heard you. We heard you from the last time. You wanted it to be a little bit more focused, and we are trying to make it a little bit more focused. Sean and I riff off each other a lot, but we're going to try and keep it focused. We're working on it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Got the paperwork to prove it here. <clears throat> so, um, <laughs> um, I think the thing we have to most talk about today uh, is that Sasha Baron Cohen prank song oh my god i mean oh, is that hilarious or what i mean i i, I just I, mean, I don't even know what to say I, I thought the same thing you you sent it to me earlier today and i and you're like you have to watch this and i did and a really unreal and and for the, and, and maybe you want to describe it for people who haven't seen it um but uh, uh the bottom line is like he infiltrates a uh, like three percenter, which is like a super right wing, almost militia esque, not so almost militia esque, like militia esque sort of a faction on the right, and they have like they're doing like this like anti tyranny thing or whatever, and he infiltrates it as one of their guest singers. So he's up there on stage doing this song, and then and he's wearing the beard and like a beard and a hat. The he's whole got bit. Uh, overalls on and the whole thing, and he's got this like southern twang. And he and but like but the but the, the the kicker is that he he's saying these awful things, awful things, song. like awful in, things. inject like, Obama with the Wuhan flu and chop him up like the Saudis do, right? Like that's that's literally, and he's getting these people to sing along with him. It's incredible. He's riling He's riling them up, right? He's like, he's like, da 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 da, <laughs> flu, 
But, and like, I mean, you, and, 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 you know, the, the, and the people in the crowd at first are a little bit like sort of weird, but it didn't take long. It, it didn't did take not long take for long. them to get the, and next thing you know, everybody's chanting. And it's like, is this a Nuremberg rally? I mean, it's just like, what's going no, on here? It just makes it so clear that, you know, um, trolling the right wing is like feeding candy to a baby. You tell them what they want to hear. They will sing anything. They will sing anything. They will say anything. You know, if, yep. as long as it fits in with their ideology, if they think you're one of them, they're on board, you know. And uh, Absolutely. it turned out that I saw another interview with the organizer of the rally. And um, I guess I guess uh, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen brought along security because he knew he thought yes. that they might that they might be kicked out or whatever. So, yeah, it actually. Yeah. Yeah. They, once they figured out what was going on. They wanted to shut. They wanted to shut him down. They were trying to, sh- to cut off his generator, but he had security guards. The generator wouldn't let him cut it off, and so it's like. But meanwhile, the crowd is still singing along with this whole thing, and they're trying to stop it because they realize how embarrassing this is. It was yeah, the most exactly. brilliant, fucking brilliant thing I've ever seen. I mean, yeah, he's, yeah. He, he was great back with Ali G, but like uh-huh, all of a sudden, uh-huh. you know, it's just on another level now. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember he did like he did this thing once. He's a brilliant, he's a brilliant guy, obviously. I remember he did the one thing where he went on like a like a bus with like these like uh, yeah, frat boy type, you know, uh, corn fed frat boy white white folks, and you know, and he was on the bus and he was like, you know, and he and they he, he like he do, they don't realize that he's trolling them as he's trolling them. They right? do not. And so they do not. Getting, he's like saying all this stuff to get them to say racist things, and of course they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is now on a whole other level. Like this is like he has he infiltrated this and 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 uh, this group, and uh, you know, and just exposes them for 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 what they are, and like it, they're even saying like, wait, um. Um, people wear a mask, inject them with the Wuhan flu. Like, I mean, it, it was like, or liberals, Hillary Clinton, all the Obama, boogie. Lock them up, all chop them up. Lock them up like the Saudis do, chop them up like the Saudis do. It was unbelievable. unbelievable. Like, unbelievable. And, and they were singing it. You can hear the, <laughs> you can hear the crowd singing. It was amazing. <laughs> It's remarkable. It's remarkable. <laughs> you know? um, yeah, so that, that, was, that was absolutely fascinating. And, and I think that's an important, you know, an important sort of uh, segue or discussion in terms of, what we're seeing here, right? Because we're seeing now all these southern states and uh, and also California, um, but um, but but particularly, right? You have Florida. And well, you can't forget California has got it's two thirds liberal, forty million people. That means there's thirteen million conservatives in California. Exactly. So exactly, no. uh, you're going to see a lot of mass protesting in California going on, as we saw sure. at Trader Joe's. You see the lady in Trader Joe's using the term. No, I don't think I saw that one. Okay, well. She went into Trader Joe's and uh, everybody is the opening day, I guess, reopening of the store and everybody around her is uh, wearing a mask and she's not. And people are talking to her about it. And uh, she literally threw down her basket and started screaming and ran out. And then uh, the, the person who was filming, she got right in their face and said, you know, you're violating federal law. I am disabled person. I can't breathe with a mask on. You are violating federal law. You know, it's just like, oh, I mean, I don't even know how to respond to some of this stuff because exactly. obviously it's not a logical argument. If it was a logical argument, it would, it would, you know, there wouldn't be a problem. There wouldn't be people if they were if they could be reached through logic, they would be wearing their masks. That's as simple. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think this is really important, right? Because I remember, you know, we were talking to our, like our friend Tim yesterday, who's going to help us with the branding. And uh, we, and, and I was introducing, uh, I was introducing you to each other. And we talked about how I've visited you in 2016 um, uh, right before the election. I mean, it was like literally yeah. days 
for the election. I was there for a bad religion show and it was called the Vox Populi tour. Right. Oh, yeah. I was like, I wanted to see my favorite bands, Bad Religion in the whole world. And you will see many of those T-shirts, by the way, over the over the course of this show. I can't um, wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, but the point is that we were talking um, and we were like we were scared. We were afraid, you know, but, you know, we but and, and, and we were devastated the next day after we lost. But I remember early on that I would try to approach this from this rational perspective of like, well, it must be that the Trump supporter doesn't understand the facts or right. doesn't know that they're voting against their interests or is just being bamboozled by X, Y, and Z. But the reality is, like you say, this is an emotional, visceral reaction to last to, to, to lack of to a uh, loss of status. Well, yeah. And OK, so we have to take it back to first principles. Uh, sure. We talked a little bit about this last time about libertarianism and how uh, unsuited libertarianism is towards civilization. Um, because sure. in civilization, we have so many things that require cooperation. You know, I mean, people have to obey traffic laws. They have to, they have to, you know, um, you can't encroach on your neighbor's yard. You can't, you know, there's all these things that require, you know, boundaries to be drawn. And, you know, in, in, in ecology, it's, it's called a collective action problem, right? Um, sure externalities, the tragedy of the commons, right? All of those things. If everybody, you know, if you've got the, the I, I think most people know what the tragedy of the commons is, but uh, I'll just explain it. If sure. there's a, a pasture and everyone is able to graze their sheep on that pasture, um, pretty soon the pasture is going to be all grazed out. Whereas there's no incentive for anyone to, to uh, cultivate or help that pasture stay uh, uh, productive. So um, what ends up happening is, is that over time when the tragedy of the commons uh, is that no one has a place to graze their sheep. Whereas if everybody established limits on how, how big your flock could be, how often you could graze, all of those things, now you have a successful situation where everybody benefits. And this is a problem with, exactly. with about climate change, fossil fuels, all of that. It's, it's just the same problem. And libertarianism basically says it's a rights framework uh, in the sense of, uh, you know, uh, rights without responsibilities. You have a right to graze your sheep. You have a right to drive your car. You have a right to walk around without a mask, all of those things without considering the consequences uh, to the commons. And I think- Absolutely. You know what I've described this as before, but I've been thinking about this this week is like, it's, 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 it's and I think a great way to think of this is it, it is prioritizing my freedom to versus your right to be free from- Right. And, exactly. and, and so like we're prioritizing my freedom to do something to you or do something in the environment rather than everyone else's right to be free from negative externalities. Positive versus negative liberty, I think, is the is how that's right. talked about. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And so and so that's the thing, you know, the old, the old idea that I can swing my arm, you know, as much as I want anywhere I want and until it stops and hits someone's nose or face. You know, uh, yeah. I, I can literally walk down the street doing this all day long. And as long as I'm not hitting someone in the face or some other part of their body, uh, I'm okay. But um, sure. the, the mask wearers or the mask uh, protesters are basically uh, violating that rule because they are releasing projectiles. You could consider them little bullets. Exactly. I mean, they're releasing bullets from their mouth that would be stopped by a mask, you know, because mm -hmm. the, the, even though the virus is smaller, it's, it's coated in liquid. And so the mask will absorb the liquid and the virus will have a very low chance of getting through. 
And that's what people don't understand is you're wearing the mask for other people. You're not wearing exactly. it. Exactly. And, and because if you go in, um, if you are wearing a mask and you're in a room full of unmasked people, you're at great danger. Through your eyes, you can contract COVID through your eyes. So the, the key with mask wearing is it, it requires universal compliance because uh, the, the, the droplets cannot be allowed to be to freely float in the room. Once you've got people in a room and they're releasing aerosols, they hang in the air for 10 to 15 minutes even, even after they've left the room. So the mask prevents those droplets from, uh, from hanging in the air where other people can encounter them even when you've, after you've left. Absolutely. And we've been, and you, you talked about this. I, I think we, we, we put, we, I think we have this somewhere in the outline, but I think that this is an important point and that is right. Like uh, the, like, first of all, the masks work, right? Like, so like the entire argument that uh, masks don't work or, you know, they don't make a difference, which is uh, one of the, uh, one of the like obviously false arguments on the right um, coming out of the right. <clears throat> first of all, even we can go back a little bit and talk about how this, we are the only country that's so politicized this virus. And, and, and of course that comes right from the top. So it's, it's, it's nothing but negative leadership from the top on this. Um, but, but, but again, the, the masks do work and you, and, and you can see uh, there's plenty of those sort of demonstrations online of somebody coughing, you know, in a, in, in a, in a, in a black. Oh yeah. Room. Well, it's, I, I mean, was it, sold on this back in like March because there was a Japanese, <laughs> there's a, there's a Japanese video. It's just obvious on common sense grounds. Right? But, but there was this video and, and, and they, they did an analysis of the high speed camera and, and special lighting so that you could see all the droplets that people were releasing. And they showed how it worked when you, people came into a room and you know, how long it took for these things to clear, how far they spread in the room, which is very right. far, very far. Like a cough can go 20 feet. If you cough 20 feet, Right. So um, all this stuff has been analyzed that's in the like laboratory. Insane. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And so choirs like everybody goes, well, how come we can how why why is it that we can have. Uh, oh, hold on. I lost you for a sec. Oh, there you are. <clears throat> um, how is it that we can have people going to uh, rallies and that's not a problem. But if people are in church, that's a problem. This is a big right wing argument. Right. Uh, well, the oh, real yes, reason yes, is, yes, is yes. because in church you are. You know, uh, a lot of churches, people, there's, there's, they recite things back to, to the pastor. Um, they sing mm -hmm. in a choir. So there's a lot of, of, of vocalizing. Mm -hmm. Every time you vocalize that, those droplets are spreading out throughout the room. So an interior church service is probably a level nine or a level 10 danger as compared to being outside in a crowd might be a level three or four, you know. And so th th there's all Absolutely. this. It's akin to being in like a coffee shop. Oh, a coffee shop is is, is is as bad as a church. Everybody's exactly. That's what I'm saying. Anywhere where anyone's going to be in close proximity and talking and or singing for Christ's sake. Think of, you know, singing, uh, right? Uh, and, 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 or a bar. Oh, my God, the bar. Well, a bar. I mean, laughing, laughing is equivalent to coughing. Because you're going, ha, exactly. ha, ha, right? Laughing is talking. Everybody's coughing, you know? And, and so this is, people are Absolutely. just, the idea that this is a matter of personal liberty is um is insane because what you're doing is you are assaulting you're assaulting every other person in that room it's a it's it's an assault with a deadly weapon really you know maybe it only has a one percent chance of killing you but if you you know would you would you stand in front of a gun if the bullet had a one percent chance of killing you no you wouldn't you know 
<laughs> of course you wouldn't. Of course you wouldn't. You know, yeah. um, and, and 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 you know, and that and that's exactly right. I mean, you have this. It's like this. These essentially temper tantrums. And and look, I mean, I, we we could talk about these sort of the, the people on the right who are demanding to go to church or wherever else. But I'm seeing like you know, I live here in Jersey City, a bastion of liberalism, right? A bastion of liberalism. And you know, I yeah. my wife and I went downtown uh, to pick up some food. Um, shout out to Lindsay Brightman. Um, we went down to pick up some food at a place called Roman Nose. Also, showed up, shout out to Roman Nose, great restaurant. And we were walking through, and we hadn't been downtown in a long time. Um, and it was alarming. I mean, it was just throngs of people, Sean, throngs of people. And, and sure, you know, the restaurants you could eat outside. So, but they were spread out, you know, like, I guess six feet. But again, there's a bunch it's, of people there. Yeah, it's, a, it's a problem. It's a problem. Because and talking, right? Eating and talking, eating and talking. I mean, like, that's what you do when you go out to dinner. There's just clouds of COVID. I mean, come on, come on. Like, I mean, you know, and again, it's just so distressing because, and this I think is an important point. It's like, it's how people have rationalized this. So on the right, they just pretend like it's not a problem. But, in, but here in, on the left, People uh, and like people have sort of it's, it's like this faulty reasoning of saying that, like, well, as long as I like skirt the rules, right, as long as I just barely yeah. comply with the rules then I'm not going to get sick. I mean, here's the problem. It's, it's here's terrifying. The problem with that thinking is, is that, you know, they're they're acting as if they're dealing with, you know, high school principal or a cop being caught. Right. Or whatever. This is not an, this is not an issue of authority. This is not this is an issue of your health and a virus exactly. that doesn't give a shit. The virus doesn't give a shit about your, you know, whether you wanted to go out to eat or whether you wanted to go to church. It doesn't. It's there to reproduce itself. It doesn't even want to kill you. It actually wants you to live so that you can spread it to others. That's, that's what a virus really wants. It's not even trying to kill you. It's just trying to go through its life cycle. That's and it. it's indifferent to our priorities, to our wants and needs. You know, it's like, no, sorry. And, you know, it's like, look, I, I feel the same way. I mean, we've been cooped up in this house now for close to, you know, it's, it's coming up on three months and uh, been a long time, you know, and, and it's hard, it's hard, been hard from a business standpoint, you know, our business is closed and uh, you know, like uh, loan money's about to run out, you know, the, the, the paycheck protection program, you know, so it's, there are, there are many, many reasons why this sucks. And at the same time, uh, those reasons are the same reasons why you should not give in to the temptation to go out to eat or go to a bar because on top of everything else, you could die, be very sick, huge medical bills. Did you read about the guy who had a $1.1 million COVID bill? Jesus, no, but, but of course he did. This is right. America. Right. <laughs> you know? yeah. and, 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 and a lot of insurance policies that are not, you know, Obamacare did away with lifetime caps, but a lot of sure. insurance policies have like million dollar lifetime caps. So he's already, his, his, his insurance is done. He can never get insured again, wow. you know, and he owes $100,000, right? So wow. it's like- it's, it's really, um, it's a, it's a, it's a sobering thing. And that's, that, that kind of also makes the turn into this concept of how, you know, people wanted to reopen to fix the economy, but actually reopening is, is even worse for the economy than staying closed. Because if you, if you, if you reopen too soon, uh, one of the things that's happening is the stock market has basically ignored the fact that there's even a pandemic going on. I mean, it initially mm -hmm. it dropped, but then when the stimulus money came out, all this money's being injected into the system. Everybody's going, oh, V-shaped recovery. We're coming right back. You know, that's not going to happen. And the, the sooner we realize that's not going to happen, the sooner the value of the market can adjust to reality. We can start digging out of the hole. Because right now we haven't even, we haven't even, the country hasn't even admitted that it's in a hole yet. 
Exactly, exactly. And, and, and again, I can't, I can't stress this enough. This comes right from the top, right? I mean, like so the man's, the, 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 the man's uh, re-election strategy is, 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 first of all, stoke, you know, you know, all the wedge issues that he possibly can stoke. Obviously, that goes without saying that's his entire brand. But the second thing is he's hanging his hat on a, on a V-shaped recovery, right? Um, but the, like a V-shaped recovery, like, and for those who don't understand, right, that means like you get a huge drop, but we have a quick turnoff, right? So instead of like a U-shaped recovery or a, uh, we have a really steep drop, but a steep, a steep comeback. And that's sort of what his whole branding of this situation is. But of course, the problem with this, unlike everything else that Trump has faced, <clears throat> I wrote an article about this um, a couple months ago, is that this is the first time that he has ran right into reality, right? You cannot spin the virus. And that goes to what you were just saying before, Sean, right? It, we cannot spin the virus. You cannot pretend this is not happening because real people are going to die. And they are dying right now. They're dying. Right? They're dying today. And, 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 you know? Right now, I mean, and a friend of mine, a friend of mine named David, great guy, super smart guy I went to law school with, he just recently said, like, that, like the, the day that he posted an article, it was a 9-11 event, that in one day in America, and a 9-11 event, and it's happening almost every day now, right? A 9-11 event is happening in terms of the people dying. That's what's happening, right? To put things in perspective, right? Um, right the the 60, 68,000 Americans died, I think, of 68,000, or maybe 58,000. So 58,000 Americans died in the Vietnam War. We are double that right now. Double We're that. around, yeah, our total right now is around the World War I level of exactly, death. Exactly, exactly. That's where we are. Interestingly enough, That's coincided with the uh, 1918 pandemic, and I believe that killed something like 600,000 Americans. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah I, it was something insane. It's, it's I think insane. It's, like, I can't, it, it, it's something like 5 million worldwide or something like that. I mean, like some insane yeah, number worldwide. Huge. Insane number worldwide. And also, I like to point out, and you, I think, were the first person who told me about this, but that there was an anti-mask league during there the was. 1918 uh, pandemic, right? There absolutely uh, was. Where there was a bunch of people talking about their liberty and how, you know, they wanted to reopen the economy. And, and this goes to show that these themes keep coming back, right? Well, they're you very know? human. This is, what, this is what you have to realize. If you, you know, you read in The, uh, um, the Righteous Mind, uh, mm -hmm. talking about the various moral foundations, and some of those moral foundations have to do with authority, hierarchy, uh, and, and all of those things that we keep coming back to is Absolutely. that those are, those are real values that a lot of people uh, believe in, you know? And it's also, there's also, uh, there's a, the cultural aspect to this, you know, aside from the, the, the dumb argument about, you know, people can't not being able to get enough oxygen. It's like, uh, right. well, you, you say they don't work, but then you're worried about not getting oxygen. I mean, it's like- Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so wait, wait, wait. Which is it, you know? <laughs> and then there's the guys who think that it makes them look weak. Or that they're being uh, muzzled. Their 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 mouth is being muzzled like a dog. You know, That's, I mean, it's just it's just like 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 you know, and like the, you pick this stuff up off of like OAN and these like right wing just like trash like people that just crank out right wing conspiracy theories. You know, you know, it's really interesting that you brought that up because yesterday I was on Instagram, um, a bastion of terrible. Terrible ideas, as um, that is uh, something that I say a lot because it is, and um, and so and some and I and I would I follow a lot of atheists um, uh, hashtags or whatever because I'm an atheist. I don't necessarily think you should be. I am. Um, uh, before everybody gets their panties in a bunch, um, <laughs> but Me so too. but. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> not you. <laughs> I'm not worried about you, John. I'm not worried about you. <laughs> um, and not and not just panties. Boxers too. Boxers too. Um, but uh, the, but the <laughs> but, but the point is that this guy, you know. So I, I he commented and uh, and he a lot of Christians and re- like very very religious types also follow these hashtags, right? So they troll people's posts. Um, and so this one guy goes on this like obviously like blatantly atheist post and goes like Jesus is Lord. I mean you know I mean he's just asking for everybody yeah. to jump on. <laughs> Right, just right, right. So, so, and I just like comment, no, he's not. Right. And so, and that's all. And then I forgot about it, like for like 12 hours. And then I see all, then I come back and there's all these posts. And my point is that, and this is what I'm getting at with the manliness is that he looks on my, he apparently had looked at my profile, which says I'm cat yeah. dad, which I say all the time because I love my cats. And he's like, Oh, look at you. Like, like what kind of man are you being saying that you're a cat dad on your, uh, on your, on your, on your post. And I was like, Wait, what? So are, are you are cat shaming now? I mean, that, that like yeah, cat that, shaming is part so of this whole thing. Position that I'm not, I'm not manly because I like my cats. Like, is that the position you're taking? And and, and by the way, this is the guy who, who 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 believes that a guy rose from the dead. Like, I'm the absurd one. I'm right. the absurd one. But the, right. but the, but it just goes to that culture of masculinity. Is my point that culture of toxic masculinity of like chest beating? Um, and and that that the well, to bring it back to the mask question, guys right? who it's think like it's mumbling, cool. Right? Guys who think it's cool not to wear a motorcycle helmet, you know, who are against the helmet exactly. laws, right? I mean, it's like exactly. anyone, like, what, you you want to be, you really want to be an organ donor that badly? You know, that's just, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. get over yourself. Get over yourself, you know? Well, it's like go home to Fox News made a big deal about the fact that Obama was wearing a bicycle helmet. Like, yes. the president of the United yes. States doesn't want to crack his skull, and that's a problem, right? <laughs> You know, either wanted to die or, you know, it's probably the case. You know, right. they, they wanted, they, they wish he would wreck his bike and die, you know. Exactly. And also, by the way, that shows that, and this goes back to the, the sort of the leadership question, right? Because, you know, um, uh, Donald Trump is not wearing masks. You know, he, like him and Pence and the, all the leadership are not wearing masks. And, 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 and it trickles down, right? Like Obama wears a helmet that makes it not, like maybe that makes that, makes it a little less uncool well, for someone to wear a helmet. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like that. It how matters. many school it children's matters. how many school children's lives were saved because they wore a bike helmet because they saw the president do it? And that's the same thing here with these masks. If Donald Trump would just wear the goddamn mask, right? How many thousands of other people in his cult, in his following, you know, would wear the mask also because they're like, oh, well, daddy's doing it. So we better do it. You know, right. That's, he could make MAGA. He could make ones that say MAGA on it. That's fine. At least right? to be alive, well, right? Brand it however you'd like. Brand it however you'd like. I mean, I don't like the MAGA movement, but I mean, look, I'd rather have the people wearing the damn masks than not, you know, well, not, and, not even for their lives, but for all of ours, right? For all right. of ours. And by the way, for the recovery of our economy, which is ironic because his entire re-election prospects turn on the economy. And the only way you solve this economic problem is you get the virus under control. That's the only way, right? Right. So it's just like it's, well, just, it's like shooting yourself in the foot. He's driving himself into a whites only base election strategy. That's where he's driving himself because he's leaving himself no out. His only other shot at being reelected was to um, to run on the economy, to run on a good economy. And all of a sudden that got, you know, as of February, that that dream was over. That was out the window, gone. Okay, so um, by the time, but if we hadn't implemented contact tracing and quarantines by February, we were toast. 
Um, yep. We still could have made it. Uh, we still could have made it not as bad as it is now. We could have improved the situation. But if we sure. wanted to keep it totally out of the country and do like what Australia, New Zealand, South Korea, so many other places have done and minimize their casualties, you know, we could have started that whole process in February. We had a month to get ready after he got notified on January 3rd that this, exactly. this pandemic was coming. Right. So he didn't do that. So his actual election strategy that he that he could have most likely won a second term with. Absolutely. Having a great economy, having, you know, all of those things going on, it would, he would have gotten everything he wanted. Right. Exactly. But he didn't do that. And now he's back to uh, running a grievance election. Yep. A grievance. Right. And, and, and the irony of all of this is that for him and there are so many ironies here because he just keeps continuing to shoot himself in the foot. And, and we're lucky. We're lucky that he's not Mussolini or Hitler, because if you were really good at this. Right. If we were really good at this, we'd be we'd be fucked. We'd be fucked. Right. Like democracy would be fucked. But he, but he but he's we, just we might, so like he's also incompetent. Right. He's he's incompetent, which helps. Us. He, he, I mean, it's bad is, for everybody. Yeah. Wrong, he is somewhat incompetent. But what he's not incompetent at, OK, is riling up the base, number one. And number Fact. two, voter suppression. And that's his other path to winning is voter suppression. And so I think he's banking on right now combination of, of, of riling up the base and voter suppression to take him across the line. And that's something we should all be very afraid of because, you know, he does control a lot of levers of power that can prevent people from voting. And he also has a lot of governors in red states who are willing to prevent people from voting intentionally. Like they don't even make any oh, votes. Definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah. And like, and almost like brazenly almost, right? Like, like it's, it's just like obvious, it, it, you know, uh, and again, like that is basically the winning strategy for them at this point. And these are folks who don't have those sort of ethics in terms of uh, in terms of, you know, voting or anything like that. So it's power, right. So they will use whatever strategy you said earlier. You said, I think, it was either last week or between a conversation we had uh, uh, separately offline, and that was they are like a like a cornered a cornered animal right now, right? Like, uh, right, like on the right, they're like, and, and and especially after Trump, he has painted them into this corner that the only way that they can get out is like is that strategy, as you say, which is riling up the base with racism and xenophobia and 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 all that, and all and then also uh, and then also just voter suppression, and 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 that is a we we they are a minority rule party. They have been for oh, for for a long time, right? George W. Bush was was yeah. didn't win the popular vote, right? That's right. They haven't won the popular vote since uh, what? Since Bush, right? I mean, since yeah, Bush I mean, won, yeah. Uh, they, I think I, he might have won the popular vote in '04. Um, That's what it was. You're right. You're right. You're right. The second time he won the popular vote, but not yeah. the first time. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely yeah. Right. And, and also in the state, after, right after the Iraq War. Yeah. And in, in, in the states, uh, uh, the, they're, they're a huge state minority party. I mean, there's, there's some, some sort of a, of a uh, like if you look at Wisconsin and South Carolina and some of these places like that, you know, uh, Democrats won as much as eight or 10 percent more votes, but they have fewer legislators in the state legislature. So yes. and that controls the redistricting and that controls uh, the secretary of state is appointed by the governor, blah, blah, blah. Perfect. On it goes. So, you know, you have this voter suppression at every level, every level going on. And, and, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing the tweets, we're seeing this strategy playing out every day. I mean, it's, and it's, you know, like he was just on Hannity a couple of nights ago and he said, you know, I think maybe Joe Biden's going to be your president because people don't like me. That was a direct quote from Trump, right? He actually <laughs> I mean, acknowledged. I mean, the president of the United States yeah. said that. I mean, on yeah. TV, like, come on. Yeah. When he's talking to his most friendly, uh, sycophantic yeah, yeah. Uh, interviewer that in, in existence, softball, softball, and and he had no answer. Also, when Hannity asked him what his plan plan was for second term, he pivoted to some grievance again, right? 
No answer whatsoever. Uh, we just got to stop these corrupt Democrats. Coherent there isn't a coherent plan from him. And there never really was, right? There was like, it's just general, just general grievance and xenophobia and, and, and also kleptocracy, right? Like, and that's the big thing. That's the big thing. It's just basically like, like making money off of this hand over fist, right? And like, it, and, and that is, I think like, right, is, is, is the, the driving strategy um, behind a lot of this with, with Kushner and, and then Stephen Miller, of course, and we need to, oh, Stephen Miller, that's actually a really heavy, heavy segment. graft, heavy, heavy graft, you know, coming from, from uh, the Kushner wing of the family, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. so much, so much graft and, 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 uh, you know, and, but then it's all backed up. Like, uh, we can't get upset about the graft and the emoluments and all that because we're too worried about him, you know, tweeting out white power video. Did you see that one? Oh my God. I did see it. I saw it this morning. My wife posted this on, uh, my wife uh, posted this on Facebook today. Um, I, I was just, I mean, again, uh, like my friend, uh, my friend Lauren said, it is reprehensible, but absolutely unsurprising, you know, uh, not unsurprising. And he said, then he pretends, Oh, I didn't hear it. And then he deletes the tweet. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, but then the next thing, you know, he's, he's, he, he uh, is tweeting out law and order, you know, and the next thing, you know, which is a huge dog whistle. And then absolutely. the next thing he's, he said, uh, Joe Biden is shot. Joe Biden is shot. That's what he, that's what he said. So unbelievable. I mean, it's, how, you know, how does he get away with saying things that would get anyone fired from any job that would get other people arrested for making threats exactly. of violence, all that kind of stuff, exactly. you know, um, exactly. Terrorists, threats. I mean, like, I mean, I mean, like, 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 and, and where, and the, I think the only Republican that you hear is the one black Republican, like, like in, in like Congress or whatever he gets on. He was on uh, State of the State of the State of the Union uh, or Face the Nation or something. I, I can't remember where what he was on. It doesn't matter. The point is that um, he gets on and and and, it, and and talks about how oh my God I'm going to uh, you know decry this and then of course go and vote for 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 support him otherwise. But you didn't hear anything from the Republicans. I mean, like nothing, nothing. They're condemning, dead silent. Condemning yeah. this, right? And 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 and, and, and I mean, and, and you know, and he also had the thing right where he had a a. a a cart, uh, not a cartoon, but a, uh, an ad, a political ad with like the, I think so the triangle that used to be, that's like, that's like wrapped up uh, oh. symbol that's wrapped up in, uh, in, in fascism. In, it's a concentration know, camp symbol. It was a, it was a symbol that they used to put on, uh, on Jews, you know, when they were sending into the concentration camps. Yes. Like, it, I mean, it's just insane. I mean, like, this is what we have in the white house. Um, it's, insane. it's insane. And I well, can tell you I mean, from the first, this is, this is a good point, I think, to talk about, you know, uh, both of us kind of intentionally kind of watched uh, American History X this week to try to, uh, you know, sort of to kind of trace back, you know, what, uh, you know, how, how we got here with this whole thing, because that is really a pivotal movie. I mean, it, 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 and, uh, you know, I, I just like to know, like, how, because how, we haven't talked since, since you saw it. So how did, how did that hit you seeing that, you know, uh, after 20, it's 20, 22 year old movie. Absolutely. It was, uh, you know, you told, you asked me to watch it and I was like, and, uh, you know, and I, and I was luckily had some time on Friday afternoon. Um, uh, um, and so I watched it and it was, first of all, Edward Norton is amazing in that role. Um, if you haven't seen the movie since the nineties, I highly recommend it because, and I, I think you said this, Sean, and that is that like, you know, at the time it seemed over the top, far-fetched, 
like, oh, how, like, is this going to happen in America? Because you know how it was in the 90s. In the 90s, right? Like, it was like, it was like, I mean, think about even Star Trek The Next Generation, right? Like, it shot a lot during the 90s. It's like a utopic idea, right? No more Soviet Union, right? Uh, America's on top. Let's, you know, every, every, everybody has justice and freedom. And like, and, and, and so you see this movie at that time and it seemed over the top. And now watching it now, I mean, it hits on, I mean, the rhetoric, the rhetoric in that movie, Sean, and you pointed this out, is almost verbatim out of some of Trump's speeches. This is Stephen Miller's hands, fingerprints are all over this. I mean, like with the vilifying of the vilifying of immigrants, it starts with that. Right. It starts with the misogyny, with the the vilification of of immigrants um, and and, and Jewish people. And I mean, and the rhetoric of 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 cockroaches like of uh, invading the country is 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 is. And they're all and all these people, these border jumpers are criminals. I mean, literally, you cannot make this stuff up. This actually you can. It's all I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that, Steve, that, that that Stephen Miller, you know, I mean, he actually grew up in that area where that was shot, which is right around Santa Monica Venice area, right? Absolutely. So he grew up there and oh. went to high school there. And I can pretty much guarantee you that he was involved in some way in, in you know, the white supremacist. Because that movie is based on a true story. It's actually based on a true story. Right. And, and I'm pretty sure that even if he wasn't involved at that time, that having watched that film... That stuff, I mean, it made it into the inauguration, like the, Trump's inaugural exactly. speech contained language Literally. in that film, you know, and the I just want to know, language. I, I want to I ask you because because um, I, I, I need to shut up because, you know, the bottom line is I, I, I recognize that that film was uh, it, it, Hollywood generally, at, you know, takes a perspective against racism and the film Absolutely. was clearly portrayed as a cautionary tale as a, as a horrible thing, as a hate crime, all of those things like that, you know, uh, it, it was portrayed that way, but still, how did this affect you as a black man in America? Sure. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that, I think, I, I think that's a, that's an important question. Um, and, and, you know, I think that like, it, it, there's a couple themes that, um, that, that come to mind immediately. So, and, and I'll, just take a quick second to sort of back up and talk about where I have been. So, you know, I, having grown up as a young person in the 90s in a very white environment, like I had no sort of connection to and to to blackness, like really at all. Like that. In fact, I had every incentive to suppress the blackness because it made me stand out. And I was coming from an outsider, from, from an outside uh, perspective, um, uh, from as an outsider, and I just wanted to fit in. Um, and so I really didn't even watch this movie, I think, from beginning to end in the 90s, um, because that's this kind of stuff was stuff that I didn't want to entertain. Um, watching it now, though, um, you know, like watching it now, it was extremely powerful for me. Um, I think that it, it speaks to the sort of tension that exists uh that 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 exists in the black community but 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 more importantly it it really encapsulates sort of you know the white resistance to uh white resistance to change so um you know because again it's a white power movie it seems really extreme it seems like really over the top but again and we talked about a little bit last week that is just sort of like an extreme version of the same idea right the same idea that like this is our america not their america this theme was all through this movie that was all through this movie that this is this is our america we're gonna stand we're not gonna we're not gonna let the liberals 
Wales, uh, you know, turn this into one of those shithole countries, blah, 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 blah. And so, you know, and, and, and so, you know, it, it was, it, it was, and I, and so it was, and from that perspective, really telling, I thought also that it really tells the story of the, the co-option of, of, of young white boys um, by, 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 uh, by these, by the alt-right and these sort of white power groups. They go to these kids that are feeling, are disp- like despondent, right? They feel that, like, they, you know, they don't have any girlfriends, right? You know, they don't feel like they don't have a lot of economic perspective, but like but prospects, right? And, and, they, and they start with the misogyny. They start with misogyny because every young man and every man that's watching this can, can identify with being frustrated by not the girl not liking you, right? And like, and then it's really easy to turn that into, oh, well, fuck that bitch, right? Then, and then exactly. next thing you know, and next thing you know oh. you're throwing up Zig Hiles, right? Yeah. And, and, and well, here's how it starts. I was reading an article that, it was, I believe it was in the Atlantic or somewhere. It was about a year ago. And it was talking about, you know, it was a, it was a mother who was writing, you know, like this very thing, they're coming for your young boys. And her son actually uh, got radicalized because he got in trouble at school for telling a dirty joke. And it wasn't even really a dirty uh-huh. joke. It wasn't even that bad. It was something that was, it was misconstrued by a girl. Uh, uh, um, it, you know, he probably shouldn't have said it, but he was like 11 or sure. something. Right? And so yeah, I mean, yeah, 11 yeah. year olds, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with an 11 year old? They, they, they say shit, you know I mean? They say, <laughs> they don't they even say inappropriate do things all the time. That's that, that, you know, so as an 11 year old, he's in school and he gets, he gets expelled. And so he has to go to a special school, um, you know, for, for problem kids or whatever it is. And, you know, now he doesn't have any friends and now, you know, by the time he's 14, this kid is moderating a basically Nazi chat room. And wow. all the people in this, they're, they're all like older, like older men, older adults, you know, who are in this chat room. They don't know he's 14. So he's like wow. basically created this whole universe for himself where he's somebody, right? He's exactly. someone in this. Exactly. In, he's you know, somebody, right? They count for something, right? That's the thing, right? And you know what? It's so interesting, Sean, because, because as I was watching this, I felt myself, you know, like I, I, I was like, oh, I understand why a kid ends up there. And it's so crazy coming from a black man, right? Coming from mm-hmm. a black man, from an activist, right? From, from, from a person who, who cares about racial justice and cares about justice and hates white supremacy. But still, from a human perspective, I understand how this 14-year-old kid following his brother, right? Following his, following his friends, feeling mm-hmm. like, a, like an outcast in school. I, because I remember feeling like an outcast myself, Sean. Like I remember being on the opposite end of that, right? And feeling like an outcast. I know what it feels like to want to, want to fit in. Yeah. And, but, and, 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 and you know, it's, no, it's no surprise that uh-huh. we send eight, 19 and 20 year old boys to war because you can convince them of anything, of right. anything. Well, and that's, okay. So I think the heart, Okay, there was there's a lot of heartbreaking things in that film, but the real oh, heart, my God. the heart of that film. Okay, well, a couple of different places, uh, but but the, the first place where you really started to see some sort of feel really feel something, you know, that that maybe Ed Norton was a complicated character. He wasn't just a monster, right? Exactly. And that is when he was in the prison laundry. He's in the prison laundry, and for the literally for the first I don't know six months of his sentence or whatever, he goes to the laundry, and there's a black guy, and there was in charge of the laundry, right? And, um, you know, they basically said to them when he got to the prison, they said, hey, you know, you're a white guy. Well, you're the N word here. You know, I love that. That was one of my favorite lines in the entire movie. It's like, no, no, no. Here, you're the N word. You know, you're the N word here. (laughs) Exactly. So so he goes in and and he's he won't even talk to the guy like he doesn't want to he doesn't want to. 
he, he starts to like the guy. You see him kind of laughs at some of the guy's jokes. He, you know, mm-hmm. he, in spite of himself, he starts to like the guy. Spite of he's like, and he's like, this guy's really cool, but he yeah. can't get through his pride. And so there's this process where he goes through and he finally breaks down. I think there was a, I'm pretty sure the moment when it finally all, all broke down and he started actually having a conversation was there was some discussion about a woman and about, you That's know, about, about a woman and, and makeup sex. And it was this mm-hmm. whole thing that every man can relate to this. Every man exactly. can relate to a thing. So suddenly, instead of being blackness and whiteness, they were relating as men, as human beings. And now all of a sudden you have this situation where this guy saves his life. Unbelievable. Uh, literally saves his life, right? Like he would not have made it out of that prison alive if right. not for this one black guy, right, right. who stands up for him because they, they and, 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 and it's so powerful, right? Because it's again, breaks down, like you just said, breaks down that, uh, that bridge and like that sort of that, that barrier. And, and again, I, I, I like to keep doing this because I think it's important for everyone out there to sort of, to not uh, sort of write this off as, oh, well, he was a white supremacist, but like, right, because the, the process of, of coming to terms with white privilege is the same, right? The initial reaction is, no, there's no such thing. I don't, I'm, you know, I don't, I, I don't do white supremacy. You know, I'm not a white supremacist. I'm not a racist. I don't know about, I, I grew up tough, da, 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 da. But like over time, you know, when you really start to understand it, there's a point at which you have to sort of, if you're honest with yourself, just like Ed Norton got to a point where he was had to be honest with himself. It's like, my ideas about these people are just not, I mean, it, like there's dissonance going on all of a sudden, right? There's dissonance. You can see the dissonance going on in his mind. And I think that there's a, there's a similar story to be told about people that are trying to come to terms with ideas like white privilege and systemic racism, right? And recognize that these things really do exist and, uh, and, and, and get past the pride of, <laughs> but, uh, 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 denying it. The cure for him was human connection, Right. And Absolutely. the problem with this, and I, I, I'm, I'm on this every day with somebody who's like, oh, I'm not racist. And to me, sure. the, the denial, any white person who denies racism, that's the, that's, the, that's the first evidence. That is the strongest evidence of their racism, because anyone Absolutely. who's not racist, there's only one thing a white person can say, at least that's how I feel. And that mm-hmm. is that um, I am a recovering racist. I was right. raised as a racist and I'm recovering from that. And therefore, to make amends for how I was raised and how I behaved, because I'm not absolving myself of responsibility, but to make amends for how I behaved and and how I benefited from my my white privilege, okay, I am going to become an active anti-racist. So making that jump from from saying, oh, I'm not racist, I don't care if you're black, yellow, brown, or purple, you know, which is what they all say, right? (laughs) They always say that. They always always say say that, that. you know, and... and, (laughs) And then, oh, I don't see color. You know, those things. These are all uh, these denials, just denials that just keep the cycle going and going and going because it involves taking responsibility. Anyone who's ever been in a 12-step program knows that the first thing you have to do is admit you have a problem. That's the exactly. first step, right? And, the and then you could get to the, you get somewhere way down the line where you're making amends, right? Exactly. But, um, I'm not a big believer in 12 steps, but I do, I, I do understand even from an engineering perspective, if you're going to solve the problem, first you have to acknowledge that it exists. Exactly. Exactly. Or, or, right. It, it, right. And, and, and that is one of the problems, by the way, with the, with like the sort of the, what the, I think the GOP led us uh, was trying to pass a, uh, you know, a police reform bill, but without actually sort of 
acknowledging that there is problem with that, that, that there is like systematic systemic racism in policing. Right. So like if you can't first acknowledge that there is a problem, then whatever solution you come up with is going to be it's, it's obviously it's just political for there. I mean, they just have to do something. That's the only reason why they're doing it at all. But but it's just another way uh, of keeping the to... problem under the rug, you know, and it's exactly. like we were talking about with COVID. OK, the libertarians never want to talk about systemic issues. They only ever want to talk about right. the individual, because as soon as you acknowledge that something is systemic, what that means is that there have to be reforms and laws. Laws that exactly. affect everybody. And it's that it's the freedom from versus freedom to, again, that you're talking about. You know, mm-hmm. they want freedom to, mm-hmm. to do all of those exactly. things. But, they, exactly. you know, the idea of freedom from systemic racism makes their heads explode. Exactly. And there was actually there's actually somebody there's somebody uh, on the Las Vegas City Council. I was just reading. I don't remember her name, but she, you know, uh, she's been called out by the NAACP uh, because she got on TV or in this council meeting, whatever, and denied the existence of systemic racism. And, you know, her whole thing is, well, everybody I know, all the cops I know, none of them are racist. None of the people in the city council are racist. You know, so if none of those people are racist, how could the system be racist? Right, exactly, exactly. No one I know is sick, right? COVID-19, right? No one I know is sick. I don't see any sick people. Therefore, the disease isn't real. Like, it's the same, right? It's the same sort of, like really failed, failed reasoning, but again, motivated reasoning, right? It's motivated reasoning. It's not just failed reasoning. It's motivated reasoning because, right, you don't want to admit it because then you might have to fix it. And if that means, if you have to fix it, and again, it's, it's always telling that anyone who's making those kind of arguments is always already on the top of the hierarchy, right? right. So they, right, because no one that has someone, right, like, right, because that, that's why libertarians are always well-off white men, Always, like like nine young, times out of ten. Healthy, <laughs> young, healthy, healthy, good job, always. you know, all that. Always, always. Because, of course, you just want to be able to do things. You don't want to have to have your freedoms curtailed, which just means that other people also have a chance and have, right? right and, 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 and again, it, it, it's maddening, but, but, the, but, the, but, you know, but there's a whole sort of essentially a jurisprudence uh, um, of a, a reason, not really jurisprudence, but a whole sort of like a uh, – sort of academic structure that's built around this concept of how do I justify being on top of the hierarchy and everyone else being fucked, right? Like, and, and that's yeah, what libertarianism well, uh, is, you know? Well, and, and that's, the, that's the famous, famous, uh, there's an example, uh, well, Rawls' Veil of Ignorance is, exactly. is the perfect, uh, you know, if you don't know where you're going to be in the society, um, Design a society that would be that where you would be safe, right? Even if you were born that the most disadvantaged, poor person, you have to design the society. And any such society is going to balance out freedom from with freedom to. Exactly, and so true. And like, and like, and I, and I'm not, you know, I, I'm not, I, I'm not a huge Rawls guy, but he won he, the veil of ignorance concept. And the like the original position, right? The veil of ignorance concept is it, 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 it's genius. It's genius because then because it, it, and it just and, and any libertarian, right, who is honest with him or herself, and I, I should just call him himself because that's just how it it's is. It's mostly not women. <laughs> it's mostly not women. <laughs> uh, mostly, um, you know. But uh, but you know, if you're honest with yourself, like, and, and if you didn't have a choice, and it, it, it just, it, what it does is that it, it, it reveals the hypocrisy of libertarianism, like right away. Because if you if you you know right, because like you know, 
obviously you wouldn't want unfettered freedom for somebody else if that means you get screwed over. And so, uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, and, and, you know, I think there's an important, the, the, uh, the mask thing, and there was an anti seatbelt, uh, right. When the seatbelt yes. laws. Yes. Uh, was a similar, similar outrage. from the There was anti airbags. There was anti airbags. If you can believe it. I mean, like, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's remarkable. And it, it's always just, the, I mean, and, and now, right, like you get in the car and it's like, I mean, I feel naked if I'm, if I'm driving without a seatbelt on. Like, Absolutely. I feel like I'm walking around naked. You feel it's weird. Naked, Completely weird. weird. And it saves millions of lives. Like it's, it has saved, it saves thousands of lives a year. It has saved millions of, billions of lives. Right. Um, but again, and, and the mask is the same thing. Right. And, and, and again, it's this idea that like, I shouldn't have to compromise my little Liberty. Anything, anything. I mean, anything. I'm old enough to remember in, in the mid 1970s. Okay. In the mid 1970s, I think it was a 1974 model. It was during the Nixon administration. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, so I guess he, yeah. Anyway, what happened is, is that they installed a buzzer. You know, like now if you don't put your seatbelt on, it beeps for like 10 seconds and then it stops. Yeah. Right. This buzzer never stopped. So until you buckled your seatbelt, the buzzer just kept going. It would go all day. Okay. So that only was like that for like one year. And people were so angry that they took it out the next year. But um, yeah, the fact yeah. of the matter is, is that, is that everybody I knew when that, when that came out, buckled their seatbelt underneath of them. They just left right. it buckled the whole time. So they didn't have to put it on. And that really reminds me so much of what's going on with masks right now. That's so interesting. That is so interesting. Just, right. You know, rather than, you know, uh, rather than just sort of just do it, you know, it's like, you know, you're going to do it. it, just put it on, you know, making your life more difficult. Like, and, and we could talk about deontology here versus, you know, uh, like, right. Like this ideas in like pure, the purity of, of, a, of an abstract idea, as opposed to consequentialism. And it's like, how does that idea impact real people and and we right. should tweak things based on that right but the right. But, but the deontologist says oh no no liberty pure liberty no matter what that principle matters more than lives the principle matters more than real people's lives and that's why i hate deontology and you no, know I, I, hate it. I hate deontology and i hate libertarianism for that reason because right. you know, it's bad reason. enough the same reason. It, it's it's bad enough for white people okay because uh, there's all kinds of poor white people who are affected by these libertarian policies, tax and service cuts, right? Sure. But imagine however bad it is for white people, it's twice or three or 10 times worse for black people. Always, always is. It always is, right? Like death rates, uh, you know, uh, uh, I mean, to any I, metric. Any I literally metric. had a guy, I literally had a guy say to me, you know, we were discussing this whole thing and I was talking about how disadvantaged blacks have been for so long. And he's like, you know, but they all know that everybody knows that. So why don't, you know, like at least some of them have got to be able to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. Right. I mean, you know, I'm just going like how, you know, it, it, it is, it is a knee jerk reaction. It is a knee jerk reaction that is just, it, it, I, I've almost n never run across, you know, once you meet a white person who is going to deny, you know, if they say all lives matter or whatever that they're going to say, you know, uh, once they've indicated that they are a racist, they are going to give you the whole litany of arguments all down the line. Oh God, and it's always the same arguments. It's same. always the same arguments. Always, 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 always. It always is. And you know what's is a really interesting point because I had a, a friend of mine um, 
a, a guy that I knew when I was growing up, he, and I wrote a post about this. I won't go into the details, but like the, you can look on my Facebook, everybody, uh, it's public. Um, but it's, a, it's basically, he called, he said, a, he said a, a racial slur in my presence when we were very young and the 15 years old and years later at a friend's wedding, like it's like, we, like, he called me before one of our friend's wedding and I picked up the phone and like, and I was like, and, uh, and I hung up the phone with him. I was just like, wait a second. I remember that time when he, said that. And I went back and talked to him about it. And I confronted him about it. And then over the, 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 the ensuing like year or whatever, our relationship deteriorated. And eventually he unfriended me on Facebook because he didn't like some of my posts. He thinks I'm self-righteous, whatever. But my point is, is that, you know, in his like farewell uh, DM, he mm. listed all of those arguments. I mean, like literally one argument after another, after another. I mean, from like, you know, the all lives matter to the um, it's not all about race to I mean, like just like just the textbook, like, you know, just like, right. All these sort of arguments. So what this is, is it's like because um, I know I know white culture because I grew up in it and you sure. do too. And mm-hmm. so, you know, this yeah, is, I grew up in it. Uh, these guys know it's wrong. They know they it's wrong. They yeah. absolutely know on a deep level it's wrong. They don't want to admit it because it would mean that they would have to do something. They yep. feel like they would lose income, lose status, lose all of these things. And so these are bricks in a wall. They just build these bricks in this wall that uh, prevents them from, from needing to change or acknowledge anyone or that you know they are a selfish person or a an antisocial person or a sociopathic person even, you know, because a lot of these guys really do get off on, you know, on, on being superior and watching other inferior people fail, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, absolutely. I mean, we're talking about, well, again, we, we, we keep coming back to hierarchy and, 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 um, and I think it's so important. I mean, like, you know, getting back to the film uh, just briefly, and that was like what I noticed throughout the film that was really, really, I mean, interesting. It's a nineties film. So it really always has like the sort of, you know, it felt like a nice film where, you know, it like, like, like addiction and like family and reconciliation is always like a big theme in those, it, like in these films yeah. and like, right. And like the like typical tropes of like, you know, a black versus white were there and all this sort of like very nice. Magnolia, but, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, all right, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. but, 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 but it, it, that, still everybody watch it. It, it holds right. up. But, but I, but I think, you know, what got me was that like, you know, watching, and Ed Norton again is brilliant in the movie, but like the, 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 the central character, like it was like a drug for him, the anger, the rage. That's what I love that he brought to the movie. When you look into his eyes, you could just see this seething, seething rage. Right. And, and it was almost like, and when he does the murder, when he actually commits the murder, right? Like, Oh my God, that was one of the most horrifying scenes ever. One of the most horrifying scenes, like I think of all time um, on TV. It's just awful, but it's, you know, but, 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 and the arrest afterward during the arrest, but this place he's doing this, his hands up with a big swastika on his chest. And he's just like pumped up. Like you can, like, he doesn't even feel any remorse. He spits on the guy afterward. He spits on the guy. Right. And so, it, it's just like so powerful. But my point is like, what was my point? I do this all the time. I lose my point. But anyway, like, the, the, but like, I, I think that there is like, there is a, um, oh, this is what I was saying. Like, you know, there is a reluctance to give up that, that sense of power, right? That power. And you were talking about not well, wanting to admit 
not wanting to, to, to feel good about being above somebody, right? Like, right, feel empowered. And that's what I saw in that movie. And again, I, and I keep railing on this is that like, yes, don't, don't everybody out there, don't like sort of give that away as like, oh, he's the white supremacist. Yes, but that's, that's just an extreme version of the same idea. It's just an extreme version of the same idea, right? Which means it's hierarchy, it's power, and it's people being below well, you and subservient you. It's always that concept, always. And, and you know, this was um, the way that he was radicalized, uh, okay? He was radicalized two ways, okay? It was um, through that, there was a speech, that, which I'm sure that wasn't the only time it happened, the speech at the dinner table about affirmative action, mm-hmm. oh, okay? That was extremely important. And, um, and, and, and the way that they introduced it was really brilliant too, because uh, apparently, you know, uh, the, the Avery Brooks character was was Ed Norton's teacher at school, right? And so yeah. uh, he introduced him to the book Native Son, which is a, which was essentially an entire novel that was written to catalog the black experience of systemic racism. I believe it was in Chicago. Um, sure. I haven't read the book, but you know, I, neither I have I. Too. I'll put it on the stack of like a hundred books that I need to read. Yeah, exactly. Put it on the <laughs> stack. I get what it was what it was trying to say, and so he tells his father you know, about this, this, about this book and how he's starting to understand that there's the blacks have a different experience. And his dad goes off to the point where, you know, he just goes off and he's like, uh, the idea that, that, that there would be any, any consideration for any past disadvantage, you know, um, is going to, in his mind, cost the white man something mm-hmm. and is, and is, is a lie and a manipulation that, uh, that, that cannot stand, that cannot stand. You know, and so uh, that's the first time that the kid has probably heard, you know, he's, he's just going to school and he's learning. He's like learning about the world and he learns about the black experience. And all of a sudden he's being told, no, that's propaganda. Those are lies, you know, and, and it, it, that, that set him off. And then we don't know how long after that conversation, the father was killed in a fire. Right. Mm-hmm. But, he, right. you know, so the, so the kid, he loses his father, who's his main role model, person he looks up to in all the world at the same time as his father's like sort of parting shot you know, before he dies is this speech about race and about how, Absolutely. you know, the white whites have to protect themselves and have yeah. to resist any accommodation whatsoever. And so Absolutely. that was a pivotal moment in the film. And, and I think that for a lot of people, I, you know, I, it really resonated with me because I just got into a conversation on the LA times, because this is up right now uh, on the ballot in November in California, reinstating affirmative action, because it was, you know, it was put in place in California and the, in the late 60s, early 70s. And then uh, actually when the Republicans got control in California for a few years, they passed a constitutional amendment against affirmative action. Constitutional amendment in California. So it's like, this is, you just can't make this stuff up. You can't yeah. make it up. So now it's coming back again. We got to fight this whole battle all over again. And the same people are coming forward and saying, oh, well, if somebody has a degree from Harvard, how do we know it's a real degree then if they got in because of affirmative action? You know, and it's just like, oh, I mean, these are. I really felt that when he said that in the movie, because I've been asked so many times. I went to Georgetown Law School for for law school, right? It's a really good law school. I work really, really hard in college. I work really, really hard in law school, right? Um, and I turned my life around. I mean, I started out, I had a, like a, I drug problems when I was in high school and, you know, I didn't even go to college at first. And I, you know, and I, you know, really proud of all this, this change and turning my life around, whatever. And I, I can't tell you the number of times I've had, and it's always a white man every damn time, a white man telling me, 
literally one guy explicitly asked me, I, I remember it was in Montclair in a bar in Montclair. And he actually asked me, he's like, so do you think that you got that you got into Georgetown because of affirmative action or because of oh. like, like literally like this, right. Or, or, or if, if, if people, I remember my, one of another one of my favorites is like, Oh, what do you do for a living? I'm a lawyer, a black lawyer. Huh? Wow. Like, you know, um, oh. and this is during a Obama, by the way, was already president during that particular incident. And I was just like, the, you know, the president is a black lawyer, right? Um, well, like, no, but, they, they never even recognized. When, I, when he said that, in, when he said that the affirmative action thing in the film, it really, I, that was like, mm, I remember because I, I was like, so this is where it starts, right? This is, is where, where it starts. starts right? with this adults, is where it fucking starts. With adults, it's affirmative action. With young boys, it's dirty jokes. Those yeah, two things. Dirty jokes. Exactly. Dirty and jokes, they want to be getting, getting to be in edgy. trouble. It's like, oh, you're so offended. You know, oh, yeah. you know, I can't say anything anymore. You know, this mm-hmm. kind of this kind of stuff. It's just um, they feel somehow because the dirty jokes are usually that they get in trouble for. It's not like a sexual reference unless it's a misogynist reference. Exactly. Right? exactly. It has to be that the, the jokes they're going to get in trouble for are jokes that punch down, that punch exactly. down against vulnerable people. And then you're going to get a liberal uh, educator who's like, that's not cool. You can't do that. Right. You know? And then right. they're like, oh, my free speech. And then it gets into this whole thing. And the, the, the Nazis, the alt-right chat boards are telling these kids they have a right to say those things. Exactly. And that's an interesting talk about, about but I, I, before, I don't know how much time we have left in this segment, but I want to. We actually have blown past our time. I think we're, we're at an hour right now, but um, so okay. we'll have to save, we'll okay. save our free speech discussion for, for, for the uh, next, time. next episode. But, but I think we should wrap up on what you were going to say. Yeah, I'll just like, I was just going to say this. And, and, and you know, uh, you mentioned Avery Brooks. Avery Brooks in the movie. Avery, Avery Brooks is, one, is, is also, a, uh, he, is, he was big in the 90s, black guy, bald head like me. Um, and he was in Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Love one him. of my favorites love him. He's just great, powerful actor, powerful actor. But anyway, I'm, I'm bringing this up because he is the reason why both generations of boys in that movie, the main characters, the two main characters in the movie, he helps them recover, right? He helps, he brings them out. He pulls them out because he believes in them, right? And this, I'm bringing this up as, as a closing because early in this George Floyd thing, my initial reaction was to be like, all right, thank God. And was like, first of all, I didn't believe it. Second, I didn't that believe that white people cared. And then when white people did start to care, I was like, where the hell have you guys been? And then my third thing was like, well, you know what? Why should I even do this anymore? You guys do it. But like, you know, I think like watching that Avery Brooks character, you asked me how this affected me. I was thinking to myself, like, how can I, if I'm an activist, how can I be a person like Avery Brooks, right? Like, I'm not going to go to white supremacists, but how can I help as a person who can, who has my, my legs in both, I have straddle the line between white culture and black culture. How mm-hmm. can I help bridge that gap? And I think that's a lot of the stuff that I care about. And I think the movie, one of my largest takeaways, I literally got misty eyed at the end of that movie, by the way. Me too. Um, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Well, um, the ending was horrible. The ending was horrible. Oh one of the worst endings to any film. I mean, wrench. just in the, just God a punch wrench. in the gut, you know, oh, after wrench. this whole thing, you know. Um, but anyway, so that, 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 that's my piece, but, uh, but, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a really great show. I'll let you, uh, uh, uh write, uh, uh, talk us off, uh, talk us off, Sean. Yeah. Well, okay. thanks to all of our, uh, uh, viewers and listeners for, for watching. We're really going to get this together and, uh, you know, get our branding together and announce, you know, we'll probably do a few more shows just as a, as a test run, but we really want to do this on a regular basis and, uh, build an audience. So 
Thank you for being here with us. And uh, we really enjoyed it. Hope you did as well. See you next time. See you later, everybody. You've been listening to The Radical Secular, a podcast dedicated to the separation of church and state. For full video episodes, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you.